Welcome back to another Ag Watchers. We have got a special guest on today, Dwayne Duxon. We wanted to get Dwayne on as a bit of a, a series of podcasts on what is changing in terms of the, the marketplace for selling or buying bits and pieces for the farm. Last week, we had Nathan Carroll of Clear Grain on to talk about how, in some ways, the way of transacting grain is changing. And so we wanted to talk to Dwayne because Dwayne's business, Farm Tender, is, is in a similar fashion to Clear, but is a, less of an exchange, but more of a, of a sort of a classified form of system. And also, we'd keen to talk to Dwayne about what's happening in the machinery space. Dwayne, thanks for coming along. How's it going? And tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you in a, in a short, sharp summary? Thanks, guys, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, yeah, I'm a Manu boy, which is in the eastern Wimmera area of Victoria. We've got a family farm back there, which I grew up on and sort of managed for about 15 years and then, you know, discovered the internet and I want, thought there was heaps of opportunities um, with the internet. So about probably about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, left the farm. Um, I didn't leave fully, but I helped out for another sort of three or four years off and on uh, remotely. And then my brother take, took over the farm and he runs that. And I started a business called Farm Tender and it's nearly 10 years old now. And we buy and sell, um, um, buy and sell, you know, stuff for farmers like machinery, grain, hay, livestock, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got it up to about 55,000 farmer members as we speak and uh, 16 employees. So it's sort of one, a, something that's been growing you know consistently over the over the last 10 years and what what is the main products that you're selling like I mean, we know that clear is mainly selling uh, obviously grains uh, yep. auctions plus is you know a similar business to you and it's mainly selling livestock but what, what are the kind of products that, that you're selling on on farm tender yeah we, we we've just started doing auctions probably two years ago so our, most of our stuff's private sales so farmers just go and list what they want to sell and buyers go and inquire and and we only charge if we sell something like so like it's a performance-based platform um i'd say machinery is probably 70 percent of our business uh in the drought um two years ago when uh queensland and new south wales were in drought hay was a big player back then um you know some weeks we're doing ten thousand ton in the week uh but obviously when the domestic hay market is feast or famine and when there's plenty of feed around, that all dries up. So we do a little bit of livestock. We're just starting to get into that and um, a little bit of grain. Grain was sort of one of the bigger ones at the start, but we're happy just doing, you know, farmer to farmer spot loads as far as grain is concerned. And obviously we do chemicals and fertiliser and things like that as well. As um, Dwayne, is the, the growth in the kind of subscriber base, I guess, for want of a better word, or, or the transactions even, has that been a reasonably kind of steady kind of linear growth or or have you seen it, you know, kind of patches of time when it's really taken off? And, and I'm thinking in particularly over the last year, have you, have you seen a big uptake in, um, you know, in, in transactions or subscribers due to, you know, perhaps COVID and, and people, um, you know, using online platforms more? Yeah, it's been consistent, steady growth um, over the last 10 years. And as you said, leading... Into COVID, we were blown away of you know how our numbers went up. Probably more so numbers of um, unique visitors. Uh, obviously, that leads to more sales and more inquiry, et cetera, et cetera. 
but definitely a, a spike in COVID. That came back and we coincided uh, that with our um, with our pl new platform release. So we rebuilt the whole platform. That took us about 12 months and that was in March uh, this year. And we, we lost a lot of traffic and we were starting to get that back now. And, it, you know, obviously when you build something new, it's much better. Um, yeah, so it's steady growth for us over the years. And I've got a saying that I reckon agriculture only lets you grow at a certain pace. They don't let you get ahead of yourself. Um, and a lot of others will contest to that as well. well. When I was just wondering as well, like this last year we've seen, we've seen a big, obviously big change in supply chains in general. I was talking mm -hmm. to, you know, a journalist this morning about logistics and the cost of containers and whatnot. Yep. And I was just wondering, you know, I wonder if there's been more of a push, you know, towards people, you know, when I need a piece of equipment, I need to find it, but it's actually getting harder and harder to source bits and pieces of equipment. And I wonder if maybe it's just a case of, well, jump online and then see if you can see if you can find it on farm tender. I, I, do you think there's, are you seeing more, more of that sort of really quick demand for machinery that I think, and, and are things, I guess, are they moving quicker? Like if you got a yeah. if you got a header for sale, is it is it going that little bit quicker? Yeah, it's a good um, good question and good case in point with the headers. Like headers are the hardest things to sell. So, but in the last um, twelve months, when New South Wales and Queensland were coming off their drought, you know they had a they had a good season. Uh, the crop was about at this point now, and they started to think we we need to get serious about buying you know things like chaser bins and extra header. You know, so they could take advantage of that big crop. Um, so head of demand last year was massive. This year, it's it's still really strong, but we're seeing demand for um, higher priced headers. Um, but that's a good case in point. The header header side of things, um, yeah, it's it's definitely um, increasing. As I said, our numbers are, are rising to levels that we've never seen them before. Um, our you know. Um, members are the highest ever. They're probably at the quickest growth we've ever seen before. So people are going online and to find these things. And, you know, we've discovered over the years that farmers, like in the machinery side of things, farmers actually really know what they want. It's just a matter of finding it. So, yeah, there's a lot of changes in the, there's been a lot of changes in the last three or four years. And uh, Dwayne, I, I believe you've got, it's not just yourself, of course, you've got a bit of a, a core team around you that help facilitate it. Um, apart from obviously you know, maintaining the platform and, and offering what you do in terms of that exchange, are there other kind of add-on services that you kind of provide in terms of, you know, say, you know, I'm thinking in terms of even just kind of making sure that the correct titles pass from buyer, you know, seller to buyer or, you know, helping to facilitate the payment, you know, or do you just basically, you know, you're purely there just to allow the buyer to meet the seller and then you let them go and do their business. Like, you know, is there any other things you add value in, in terms of a service? Yeah. So how our model works is farmers list for free and we only charge them if they sell something. Now we have people in the middle, what, you know, call them brokers or agents or whatever you like, but our guys, help people through the buying and selling process. And, and as you guys know, farming is a relationship business. So we build really strong relationships with our customers. And they, you know, over the, over the years doing lots of business with them, they trust us, you know, um, with doing business. But um, yeah, once a, a, a buyer indicates they want to buy something off a seller, we drop a contract. Uh, we send that to both parties. So everyone knows what's going on with delivery, price, you know, 
contact details, et cetera, et cetera. And initially, it was only up until about two years ago that we started getting involved in the payment side of things. So we would leave it up to the seller to invoice the buyer and we lost a bit of control. Um, well, we never, had, we never had the resources to be able to move into that payment. It's pretty important to get things right in the payment side of things, but we have now. So what we do now is we invoice the seller um, sorry, we invoice the buyer on behalf of the seller. We take the funds into our account and then when everyone's happy, the machine's been delivered or picked up and everyone's ticked the boxes, well, then we transfer the funds to the seller, less our small commission. Yeah, so, it's, it's a, it, it allows for security on both ways, I guess. It protects the buyer and the seller that you know to make sure that the transaction's completed smoothly. Yeah, exactly. And as I said, we used to let the seller invoice the buyer. So we're transitioning over to that. I'd say it's about 40% of our business is done where we do the invoicing ourselves uh, on behalf of the seller. So in terms of in terms of the actual the products you're selling, mm-hmm. are you finding that people are coming back that more and more often that like they find a piece of equipment? Like I'm thinking they find a small piece, you know, uh, whatever we call it, like a piece X. And this potentially opens up them to be able to search for like a wider space rather than just going to the local dealer or whatnot. They've they've got access to a bit more, you know, broader sort of scope of, of where they can get it from. Mm. And also it's from some sort of secondary secondhand market as opposed to buying buying brand new. But do you find that there's a lot more people sort of picking up stuff and then coming back? every now and then to search for each thing before they go out and buy something just to see if there is something on there? Look, as I said before, farmers, you know, they um, they know what they want. Like if they want a particular model of um, tractor or header or whatever, they will search and search until they find it. They won't sort of, you know, unless they're desperate and the market's red hot, which it is now, um, you know, they're prepared to wait for the right item to come along. Um, definitely. And- do you, at the moment, like you, you, like we all know, it's red hot for practically yep. everything, from from staff to bloody anything, anything you want to sell. If you want to sell a yep. motorbike, you can sell it instantly. If you want to sell a car, you can sell it for more than you paid for it. You know, mm. that's just, just the way, especially Land Cruisers. Do do you see sort of patterns or anything emerging? Do you ever see you know, there's the certain things that as soon as it lists, you know it's going to sell. Like if, if, I, if I called you and I was going to sell X and I said, oh, I, want to, I want to post X product up there mm. at the moment, what would be the thing that you would say it would sell almost instantly? What's the thing that's really- The hot cake. The hot what, cake item. The hot well, cake. We, yeah. did, we do do a uh, what's hot every week. We do a bit on Facebook and we do it through our newsletter and we go through the trends each week of you know what's selling in the used machinery game. But- at the moment, I'd have to say uh, chaser bins. We sold a heap of them last year. Um, this year, they're much more scarce, so that we we have less of them listed. But anything that goes up just goes bang. Like people are looking for chaser bins because they're expecting a big crop, and obviously, they um, it's part part and parcel of uh, getting the crop off. Um, Dwayne, just uh, the analogy I'm thinking of too, a little bit with this platform is a bit like an eBay, but for farm stuff, right? Um, and I know when eBay first came out, it was mm. it was kind of populated by a lot of, um, I guess you'd call them occasional people, whether they're buying or selling, they're just in, you know, like the old trading post days where, oh, I don't need that anymore, I'll put it online and sell it. But but over time- Tell him he's e- dreaming. 
(laughs) (laughs) Got some jousting sticks. Um, But over time, I I did notice that, you know, you started to get, I guess what you'd call, call, you know, professional type sellers on there. And and even if they're already, say, a dealership type or a tractor dealership, you know, know, are there any of those types that are using farm tender as well, where they're actually running a business selling items, whether they're secondhand or even indeed newer items? Are they creeping into the space or is it pretty much still, you know, reserved for the, I wouldn't say the amateur, but just the occasional buyer and seller? Yeah, no, look, I'd say, um, I'd say a lot of our sellers are, you know, fully professional broadacre, large farmers. Um, we do have the occasional, we've probably got a probably 10 or a dozen people that, you know, flip machinery. So what you were saying then, um, and they make a living out of that and they do it really well. It's, it's, you know, it's a something that you, that you got to be good at. Um, yeah, but no, definitely, we definitely we're seeing like our, most of our guys are regular sellers, and we find that if we sell a tractor for them, it gives it, it then gives us the opportunity to sell their hay and you know sell a mob of sheep for them or a parcel of grain and things like that. And that and that's what happens. It's it's more a relationship thing. So you know they're happy for us uh, whether you know they need their hand held or whether they you know whether they don't um that you know they trust our system and they trust our people and the relationship side of it has been built up over years and it's really strong and you know people come back i mean we've got competitors out there that take business off us and people go there and come back because you know i tell our guys we don't own our customers so our customers have the right to do what they want um but we've got to try and you know make our platform work and um, it makes us improve to want to be the best platform going around. That's going back to that eBay sort of thing. Like, mm. I, like I think, like I think, obviously, things like clearing sales would be interesting because at the moment you can you can sort of shove up. You know, a clearing sale might have a thousand items ranging yeah. from the things at five dollars all the way through mm. to you know thousands of dollar pieces of equipment. And mm. if you can sort of itemize everything and then throw it onto a website, you know, you especially for the smaller goods it opens up the market to people all over the country, you know, obviously taking into account biosecurity rules and whatnot for moving stuff. Mm. But going back to the eBay thing, like I, eBay was at its height, I reckon, when I was in my uni years. Yep. And I used to, I used to do that, Matt. I used to, I used to sell <laughs> stuff. I was probably the busiest person at the post office when I was 17 to 22. And I was buying stuff from car boot sales and charity shops and then sticking it on eBay and selling it to people in London for, you know, multiple times. Mr. Calling. Made, made, made more money there than I do here. Getting in can, <laughs> cans of tinned haggis for, you know, 30p and selling it for 70p. And I, tell, I, tell you what, I tell you what, if I could get the, the tinned haggis from Scotland, I could sell it in Australia and make a markup. More, a markup that's probably closer to bloody Pablo Escobar than Dick Smith. So. You have actually brought back some um, tinned haggis from Scotland when we were allowed to travel overseas, Andrew, many years ago. I should have brought um, back more, shouldn't I? You should have. Well, you've been very kind to, to give me some. Um, you know, it's always it's always a welcome gift when you give me some tinned haggis. It, sounds, it tastes nicer than it sounds, Dwayne. Um, one of the other <laughs> things I was going to um, I was going to ask you though, in terms of the the I guess the geographic footprint mm-hmm. of Farm Tender, given it's an online platform, but then. I presume it started out, you know, near to, near to home or at least in the southeastern 
uh, big states of, you know, Victoria, New South Wales, kind of South Australia. Do you, are you pretty much a national footprint now? Like, do you have much over in the west or up north into far north Queensland or Darwin or Tassie? No, you're exactly right. We're, our biggest footprint is by far Victoria, uh, southern New South Wales, and um, to a lesser extent, South Australia. Um, we, we, you know, when uh, going back to when the drought was on, we had a, you know, big following um, start to follow us through northern New South Wales and Queensland. You know, that's steadily growing, but it's, you know, it's probably 10% of our business. And Western Australia has always been a, you know, one of those um, hard to, hard nuts to crack so we've tried a few different techniques but I think we think we're getting somewhere at the moment with by using a bit of technology and a few techniques with um, SEO and things like that to try and move into that Western Australian market which as you guys would know is a sort of an agricultural island on its own. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so apart from then, I guess the geographical constraints yeah. you, you know, that you, you're working on. I asked this question of Nathan as well yeah. in our podcast last week. Are there, you know, are there other, I guess, barriers that you see at the moment to the growth of a business like yours, or, or are you pretty comfortable that you've got all the necessary kind of things in place, um, you know, to continue to see, you know, or take advantage of, of the situations and, and and continue to grow the business? I. Uh, that, that's a, the whole reason why we replatform so we could we could grow quicker um definitely there's a lot of things we can do that you know the seo side of things was was non-existent um back in the old site when we had the old site but now we're we're ranking a lot higher for keywords our whole system's a lot quicker and google you know gives you lots of tick tick boxes for that um we're just we're just about to explore a sort of more uh, a targeted marketing type um, thing where, as I said before, we have lots of data there. We've just got to bring it to the surface. So we, we're sort of designing something like, let's say um, there's been five Case MX135 tractors listed in the last six months. There's been 35 people inquire, um, five have sold to five people, but there's another 30 there still looking for the Case MX135 tractor. So we've got an order. We've, we're developing an automated system whereby once that gets listed, all those guys that inquired and the one, you know, about the Case MX135 tractor, will get a notification to say, here's one for sale. So rather than just doing all this blanket marketing, you know, the old um, ad in the paper type thing, we're getting more targeted, you know, and, and you know, we, we can't do these things without a, a decent database and, and lots of inquiry and things like that. But, that's the way I see all the the marketing heading is more targeted um, rather than just a blanket type marketing. You're already sounding a bit like a, a tech entrepreneur rather than an oh. ex-farm boy. You, I was going to say, it's, it's Dwayne, Dwayne Bezos. It's, it's a SEO, you said SEO a few times there, and I know Andrew many years ago did a uh, Sexual course in, education orientation. <laughs> <laughs> but he did, he did a course in IT, I'm, I'm led to believe, but for Andrew's benefit, um, search engine optimization is what you're referring to there, so just making that process easier. Yep. So, or some people refer to them now as what algorithms to try and figure out what your customer's looking for so that you've been doing work in the back end just to to target better I guess is that what you're saying yeah basically yeah I mean it's all about um, providing your customers with what they want and uh, yeah so these the guys that inquire they're obviously a, a hot buying ticket so why not put it in front of them um, and, and as a, it goes back to the old thing of you know farmers know exactly what they want 
But I think that's 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 important. I think like you, you've hit on a good point there. There's always always important to have a very good back end on any system that you're working on because a healthy back end really far flows through to the uh, to the front. Um, we'll get really, there, I'm not. <laughs> I'll just I'll just bystep that particular um, segue that you were aiming for, Andrew. That was um, no segue. That was that was yeah. come from having a, a degree in IT. That, I, mean, I think you yeah back end sets up everything. It's like your foundation is it's a good back end. So you start to talk out of your back end for a second there. But um, <laughs> in saying that though, Dwayne, like obviously it's a you know it's a business that's heavily tech orientated, but it's also um, focused on farming. If you're looking at you know people for this for, for you know your employees and that, is a person more important to you that's got the IT savvy and that background, or do you really still need to have people that understand? what they're selling and what they're doing and, and have an understanding of farming people and, and know how farming people operate. What's, what's more important from that perspective? Oh, definitely the farming attributes. So, you know, we, we um, outsource our you know, tech guys. I've got a guy in Sydney who outsources into um, India. So we leave that up to the other guys. We just tell them what to do. And if they say we can't do it, we say BS, you can. So just do it. And that's, you know, that's where, our relationship starts and ends, but we get along with them well and they're very clever at what they do. And we're very lucky to have them because there's a, it's like um, farm workers. There's the IT people are thin on the ground as well. So yeah, it's um, we're very happy with the people we've got on the IT side and we'll stick to the agricultural side because that's what we know. So Matt made a point before, mm -hmm. uh, before we started talking about your back end about the, mm -hmm. The reality of of the of that you're an IT company versus a, an mm. agricultural company. We we've had a, lots of discussions, the two of us, in the past, yep. and, and and Matt and I have had discussions all about ag tech, and we probably get ag tech companies coming to us once a month, you know, to tell us how what they're doing, and we sometimes we we might sort of take them down a peg and explain to them that they're doing the same as about twenty other companies out there what, what are your tips though for these ag tech companies because you, you've been around for 10 years yeah and, and it's I, I know you don't like being called mm. an ag tech company but you're a, a technological company in agriculture not an ag tech company no you're we're a, we're a marketplace and, and in terms of but 10 years is a long time to be around you know yep. cl clears roughly 10 years you're roughly 10 years uh, and you're probably both just probably just really getting there now over the last sort of two two to three years but what's the tips for for the ones that are doing these startup accelerators or whatever else and getting into ag tech how, how can they become a success i uh, have lots of patience get a get a bit of money behind you and and get the right people but engage with farmers and that's you know i just look at some of the people that i'd describe as successful in ag tech at the moment and let's say it's a swarm farm guys the farm farm bot um those you know walk on scales in the paddock i can't remember what they call them uh for the cattle you know those guys are all those guys that built those uh, those things are all farmers so they understand how farmers think and they you know people come from outside inside to this industry really struggle because you know and farmers are time poor like you know they haven't got time to talk to us anymore let alone you know try out that someone's latest fangangle ag, ag tech piece of equipment so yeah it's 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 tough going but there are start there are a few starting to really get there and 
make an impression, but they've got products that farmers want. And that's, and that's about 10% of the market, 90% farmers don't even want the particular products. And I think that's, that's the thing that we sort of see is that there's, mm. there's quite often this sort of, you need this product, you mm. need this app to go along with this other app, which goes along with this other app. And so that you can spend all day recording data down and whatnot that you mm. never ever look at. And I think that is like, that has to be simple. Thing. Well, that's the thing. It's got to be simple, but it's also got to solve a problem. Whereas I think a lot of, a lot of the uh, the solutions that have been brought mm. out in recent years have been solutions to problems that farmers don't really perceive as being, you know, problems that they care about. You know, there's well, no point like the the old you know pocket pocket book that you put in mm. the chest pocket book to write your notes down. Well, do you really need mm. to change that to a, you know a fancy dangled app that does it all for you? Well, those guys are doing pretty well at the moment. Um, they're starting to make a bit of impact. Um, mob called Mobile and obviously AgriWeb, they're, they're going quite well and they're, they're digitising. Everyone's got phones now and, you know, you can, you got all the information there, but yeah, no, it's a grind. If you think about those businesses, AgriWeb and mm. AgWorld and Mobile are just, just free, there's obviously a lot of them, but the reality is that there are still quite a lot of companies all doing exactly the same thing. And it, and it really is going to be a bit of that sort of first mover advantage, a bit like Amazon. Yep. There, were, there was plenty of competitors to Amazon back in the 90s and early 2000s. Now, there's none. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a big follower of um, technology or ag tech in the US and it's starting to really consolidate over there. You know, there's, you know, um, John Deere's bought a, a, a robotics automation company, you know, just a couple of weeks ago and they bought one a couple of years ago. There's Trimble's done the same. You know, it's starting starting to consolidate. And there's there's some good products out there, so I think um, yeah we just got to be uh, got to be patient and pick the ones that are that are going to work for farmers. In terms of in terms of that, like you you never went through any of those schemes, did you? You didn't go for an accelerator. You sort of what's what's the what's the term? Boot bootstrapped it. Bootstrap. That's it. That's, that's the, it. That's and, the that's the, uh, the 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 fancy term that they use. And. We've been pretty much profitable since day one, and profitable by mean by that I mean you know as our business as as the business grows you know and it's a people related business as it got a little bit busier and a bit busy for me because I started it I'd bring someone else on and then it got busier again I'd bring another person on so that's how it's sort of evolved the slow growing side of um, things I talked about before how it just just steady growth over the, the ten years but you know. It's um it's a proven model and you know we we do a right out of it but you know it's 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 hard yards like it's to get to 50, 55,000 members it's it's one member at a time one listing at a time one sale at a time and and we haven't we wouldn't be able to do it any other way. No, and in terms of so and you you built it up over time and those mm. all you don't you must always be thinking we're the same we've. And in, in, in a, the business that we run together, separate from AgWatchers, we've got our own competitors, and you're always you're always keeping an eye on on what one eye on what you're doing, one eye on what yep. everyone else is doing behind you. Everyone's biting your biting your ankles, so to speak. What what are your main concerns? What are your thoughts in terms of competitors at the moment? Do you see anyone out there, or oh, probably the social media side of things. You know, the Facebook Marketplace would be one of our bigger competitors, but I sort of don't lose any sleep over that. It just makes us determined to get better, you know, 
they provide they've got a different model to us and um you know they've they've got their spot in the market but you know we we have to get better and and we're seeing the generational change in in our business like the younger guys coming into our business and they use obviously facebook as well and a few and other other items but it, it just makes us get better and you know that's what competitors do so we we welcome the competition and as I said, we don't own our customers, so we can't tell them what to do. We can just try and improve. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're confident you're providing the better service and the better outcomes, then, um, it, you know, it's a bit like the product, isn't it? You know, if you've got the right product, it, it kind of helps sell itself a lot of the time. Yeah, it's just the service is our key and um, the relationships and those, you know, we what because we deal with a lot of farmers, you know, a lot of the time, we know how they operate. We can pass that information onto a prospective buyer who who doesn't know that particular farmer we can say yeah we've dealt with Jono for you know three years all the stuff that he's um, listed and sold has been what it says it is you know we provide that level of trust and it just and it gives you a much higher percentage of you know to be able to sell something hmm. a chicken and the egg so to speak hmm. like from the point of view of 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 a, of a marketplace that you've got yeah hmm. there's a bit of a chicken and egg situation what what is of most importance for you? Obviously, probably equally, but obviously you've got to get sellers in. Mm. You've also got to get buyers in as well. The, what, the what most do you struggle with getting the buyers again because people actually selling stuff. Well, actually, probably um, probably struggle at the moment with listings. We've got plenty of people looking and buying. Probably struggling um, to get the volume of listings we'd like. I mean, we you know we're still getting. 50, 60, 70, 80 listings a day, but we'd like to be getting 150. Um, yeah, that's probably the area where we're struggling at the moment. Um, and when, you know, obviously you got, we got a lot of hay listings on there now and no buyers. So it works for different different categories. So yeah, we'd like to have a lot more machinery listings at the moment because that's what a red hot, that's what's red hot. And what about things like, like obviously, like I, I use, I use Facebook marketplace for, DIY yeah. stuff and things and I quite often always say like I'm looking for you know whatever so I'll just put out like I wanted you know yeah. x number of bits of offcuts of wood or mm. sliding doors or whatever and I just I just put them up and then I say I just leave it there until somebody contacts me and says oh I've got a, a door or whatever do you do you get many people putting up stuff like I'm wanted like I want a hay baler or I want you know new fronts for a header or whatnot do yeah you we do we do and, and it's a great tool that we have because when um when people are looking they're not just putting up a one of you know 150 horsepower tractor they want to you know a case mx150 you know they know exactly what they want so they're very specific and and that that you know we we prize out a lot of things through our wanted ads and it's a great sort of um tool for farmers farmers to use what about when 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 people are se- sort of selling stuff? Let, let's say, for mm. instance, I've got a, a case MX5 yep. or whatever it is, and and I say to you, look, Dwayne, or or one of the other sales staff, I say, I'm I'm looking to sell this. Yeah, I bought it for I don't know how much did it cost, hundred and fifty thousand a couple of years. Yeah, ago. let's say that just as an example. It's five years old. It's got eight thousand hours on it. How do they know? I suppose. How, how do they know how much they should be listening for? Well, we have a sold se- section where people can go and search for what stuff um, 
more so what it's been listed for. We don't have the, the sold price. We'll have that soon. So um, they can go and sort of uh, compare notes with the number of hours they have. Like the, let's say there's there's 20 of those particular models that have sold over the last three years. They can go and compare those. They can also you know, ring our sales guys who have got a, a very good understanding of the market. Um, yeah, so there's, there's lots of ways. There's you know, lots of ways they can sort of price things, but it's important to price it right. And if a price is, you know, if items are priced right, they generally sell pretty quickly. If they're, you know, some some guys overprice them and they're just testing the market, but they'll sit there, they can sit there for six months and not sell, but yeah. Do you have a, um, like, sounds like you do a lot of work at the, at the front end so that so that you don't have any issues, you know, when it comes time for the sale and the contract going through. But do you have, you know, do you have any kind of, or have there been any, you know, um, issues around, you know, what post-sale, you know, where, where there's been a bit of a dispute about an item or not quite as described or, you know, something yep. wrong with it? Does that, does that, is that a, you know, I would imagine it's not a super frequent occurrence if you've done all the right things beforehand, but I'm just wondering, um, you know, is there a process like a dispute resolution process that you guys part of or once that's yeah, look, happening it, it's it doesn't happen that often our model lends itself to you know not having too many issues be that you know because we're the middle guy and the relationship with the seller and um but they do you know pop up from time to time and we have been to vcat representing you know a, a particular party but when we get in there our guys are you know trained up to you know for resolution just disputes and um so we try and help and more often than not you come out with a solution and you come out with a better relationship with that particular customer that um that was unhappy in the first place so look i reckon online has transformed how um sellers operate because in in every industry there's uh, you know dodgy ones out there um but the dodgy ones get found out on online and um you know because they probably operated locally in the past and did their did their deed and then moved on to another local area where they weren't known. But online, you can virtually smell them a mile away now. It's um, yeah, you're pretty they're pretty easy to find. But no, definitely. What what about at the, at the moment when people when people buy mm. a new piece of equipment, yeah, yep. take it to the local dealer, whichever whichever color that may be, and get a yep. Parex. And I I know absolutely bugger all about machinery. I know a fair bit about the secondhand car market and whatever. <clears throat> and I know that if I go and take my car to get a, you know, a, a part exchange, it's usually about two-fifths of bugger all compared to what you can sell in the secondhand market. Do you, are you finding that people are saying, well, I was going to part exchange this, but I can get 100K for part exchange, but I might be able to get 150 if I if I just sell it in the secondhand market? Are you getting more people thinking of it that way, thinking, well, well, bugger taking that bloody thing up it's not that much effort to just sit it there on on farm tender even if, even if it sits there for six months um i was still are you trying to find the secondhand market is better than that sort of dealer market for secondhand goods yeah well you par exchange sort of pricing yeah definitely um and uh we get we get a lot of the deals you know refer business to us because um, you know they're more interested and rightly so interested in selling new gear. They're not as interested in selling old gear, clogging up their their stores and uh, their, their yards, et cetera, et cetera. But no, definitely we we're seeing more and more people just sell stuff privately. What we're finding now with the the demand for new gear and the supply chains, which are, 
are falling down a little bit as you know people are waiting up to 12 months for tractors they ordered. Um, what we're finding now, it's sort of delaying the used market a little bit because what would happen in the past is a, um, a farmer would finish cropping or seeding. Uh, they, would, they would list their air seeder for sale as soon as they finished the last um, paddock and, and then they'd generally sell it and then the funds that came in from that, they'd buy a new one. But what's happening now with the new market, uh, you know, they're waiting until that actual new item has been delivered and sits beside the old item before they're ready to list the old item because they're worried they, you know, the, the timelines might get dragged out and they mightn't get their bit of gear. And, you know, as you know, the, the, agri, uh, the cropping side of things all about timing now. So yeah, we're seeing a bit of a distinct change in, in attitudes about selling and, and the supply chain for new equipment, you know, is, is um, tightening right up and yeah, it's changing the way that people are operating as far as selling is concerned. Do you think that'll change though? You know, we know that no. we know that land cruise and stuff, a two, a 200 mm-hmm. series land cruise is not going to be worth 150 grand in a, in a year's time. It'll bounce back and mm. people will get over the fact that, you know, there's a V6 in the 300 series and they'll be happy with it. Do you think we'll get a, a period and once things get back to some form of normality that things will just slow down that little bit? Or... Oh, look, may, maybe, but gee, um, you talk to a lot of, Australian manufacturers of um, farm machinery and there, most of them are booked out 12 months as well. So, I mean, it's probably the agricultural side of things is absolutely booming at the moment and that's what's driving it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, um, you know, but uh, hopefully we can get back, back to some form of normality as far as the supply chains are concerned. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed because you know, we've been 19 months of mm. issues, 200 odd days of lockdown for us and mm. and hope and container rates are just expensive and access to containers is difficult. And we, we I'll tell you what supply chains to get back to normal to actually get access to stuff. I'll tell you what has happened though. Like it has pushed the price, like, you know, your, your cars, Andrew has pushed the, pushed the price of machinery up, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, like a 36 foot um, tipper trailer in 2020, let's say made 50 grand, would be making 65 grand now, the same trailer. So it has pushed the price of used machinery up quite considerably. So we see less haggling because, you know, there's, you know, the demand's there. So, um, and things get snapped up really quickly. Like we, some of our items, like big ticket items can go in a a matter of hours or, or a matter of days these days because the demand's out there. Yeah, like it's it's just crazy when you look at some of the uh, some of the prices for sale for it. Just mm. I, I'm not talking about agricultural machinery, but even even you know just standard stuff when you're looking around on. I, like I as a Scotsman, I follow my father's footsteps and I <laughs> and I look on Gumtree or Facebook marketplaces <laughs> to see what is see what is cheap. Two D, two D, two D. And and it's not often I see anything nowadays that it's cheap like motorcycles um uh, always keep an eye on motorcycle sales mm. and I, I can see a couple on on farm tender the mm. nice drz 400 uh but the reality is that it they're pretty expensive everything's expensive and yeah i think it's a well but you know obviously you would know matt about them the price of meat now that's gone up over the years but also the price of um 
sheep and cattle have followed behind pretty closely. And oh, look, I'd rather the price of um, sheep and cattle be high and, you know, the, the consumer having to pay for a good quality, you know, meat or good quality products. It's, um, I think farming's in a great space at the moment. And, you know, we could, this could be a new level and, and hopefully it is. And we can all, you know, farming be, can become quite a pro- prosperous um, sidekick. Yeah, you're not see. you're not wrong there, Dwayne. And um, I mean, uh, it's it's got it's not just the red meat side. You know, there's not many commodities you're looking at now no. at the moment that are that are in um, you know a dire situation when it comes to pricing. And and then you've even got the likes of the grain side with Andrew. You know, you've got a big harvest coming up, and um, even with the volumes, we're still seeing some pretty good healthy prices. So, um, like I think, yeah, I think regardless of, of talk of super cycles and and whatnot, mm. I think we can be safely assured that the next 12 months to 18 months is going to be pretty, pretty, pretty memorable for a lot of farmers. And it's going to be um, all memorable for sort of positive things. Mm. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fingers crossed, touch wood, big fat wallets out there. So, Well, you know, you look back and uh, I remember, you know, struggling in the eighties and things like that, really struggling and land prices uh, were the, the land that was valued at say four hundred dollars then is valued at five thousand five hundred dollars now. You know, and you know farmers have got equity now; they can they can, they've got room to move. They're they're you know forging ahead, and um, it's good to see. It's really good to see. Well, it makes it easier for those conversations with when you chat to farmers. It's a bit better than a bit better than when I arrived here ten years ago into West Australia and spoke on the phone for eight hours a day to farmers about washing out the grain because they hadn't produced anything. So yeah, we've all that, we've all been all had those conversations. That's a horrific conversation to have. Mm. But Dwayne, thanks for thanks for coming along. Like no it's, worries. Like it's interesting to find out about you know the ways that people are doing things and and whatnot and how things are changing and changing in recent times. And also good to get information about that machinery industry because it's pretty it's pretty interesting one. It, it's a big cost of uh, of for for producers, uh, but thanks for coming along. Uh, for anyone listening, uh, share it with your friends and family, and uh, thanks for listening. Well, will we get to the top one hundred in Romania, or what? what in in Hungary, it was. 100? I think. In, in, Hungary. Yeah, got to get the wife's uh, family back onto it. Bear with, bear with me. I'll just, I'll just get on to it and see where we are. We are at number 78 in Denmark. Wow. We got knocked out of Hungary, uh, knocked out of Canada, but we're still up there in Australia, which is, mm. which is the only country that matters, Australia and Southwest Scotland. Mm. Uh, what's, um, what's the next part of your series on the sales top? We're looking at uh, livestock, I think. Livestock, oh, yeah. good. So, That'll be good. Yeah. So we might do, we, yeah, we might do a little um, short one later this week, just on a on a developing issue in the processing space. I think, but um, mm. yeah, next week will be livestock. So it'll be interesting to see what 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 the uh, news is there. You'll be listening intently. See how you can. Oh, uh, build I'll it. be the first first cab off the rank. No, but but again, thanks, Dwayne. You've you've supported no, us right. No worries, from, guys. You've supported us supported us right from the start, and uh, it's been too long for us to get you on but i felt this was the opportune time and uh, much appreciated thanks for the opportunity have a good very one. good thanks very much see you when you got nothing on ciao for now catch ya